All right, we're wrapping up uh, this series that we've been doing. Uh, we've called it the chance of a lifetime because uh, Jesus is laying out what it means to follow him. And following him is a chance of a lifetime. We make a choice of whether or not to do that. But what he did at this point, crowds were beginning to gather. He was starting to create a buzz in his world at the time. And many, many people were starting to come hear him teach. It was amazing, his, his instruction. Actually, this sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount because he took his disciples aside and he wanted to make sure they knew what it meant to follow him. Called, called Sermon on the Mount because he went up on a mountain to deliver it. And um, he's, he's very clear here as to what it means and what you should expect as a follower. This is what a follower looks like. This is what a follower does. And this is what you should expect as a follower of Christ. Uh, we, we've been looking at this and, it, it, you know, the image, the series image, it's, you can see the door. Once you step through the door of following Christ, it's the world's upside down. And it's a very upside down way to follow Jesus Christ. It's, it's not the, the common way in our world. So we've been looking at this. What, what are the different components of being a Christ follower? Today... We're going to look at the chance of a lifetime. I, can you imagine sitting there listening to Jesus? People say this is the best sermon in the world ever given. Ever. This is, this is what people who read it, both Christian scholars, uh, non-scholars, and non-Christians. This is the greatest message ever given. Can you imagine what it had been like to be there? That's a chance of a lifetime. We have the same chance. We have the same opportunity to listen to what Jesus said. And today we're going to talk about how we have this opportunity for the one and only. The one and only way to know God. The one and only path to meaning and hope in life. Uh, so we're, we're looking at the conclusion of the sermon today. He's, he's wrapping it up. And in this portion of the message, he wants to make sure that they know what they're getting into. When you walk through that door, he wants to know, he wants them to know, this is what it's going to be like when you walk through the door. So don't, don't be surprised. He, he lays it out in living color. <laughs> he he puts, it, puts it out there. And what he's doing is he's, he's making sure, as he delivers this sermon, he's making sure that the people who are following him and the people who are interested in following him, they know the cost of what it takes to follow him. You know, before you do a project, our house needs to be painted. Before, before we paint it, I'm going to get an estimate. Uh, and then I'm going to decide, am I going to pay this guy to do it or am I going to do it myself? And I'll probably end up saving up the money and paying it. But I, I'm, I'm, I, our, the outside of our house needs to be painted. Before I do that project, I try to find out, do we have the money to do that? That's what he's doing here. As he, as he walks through this sermon, what he's doing is he's, he's showing us what the cost is. Of following him because he, he doesn't want us to be surprised. So I'm wrapping up the sermon uh, today in wrapping up the sermon. He wants his followers to know that. And th this is what he does. What we're going to do is we're going to start at Matthew 7:13, the last part of the sermon, and we're going to walk all the way through the end to 27, 7:27, Matthew 7, chapter 7 of the book of Matthew. 
And we're going to start at verse 13, walk all the way through to 27. And we'll see that in the conclusion or the wrap up of his message, what Jesus does is he sets expectations. He says, if you follow me, you should expect to be in the minority. You're not going to be with the crowd. Okay. You should expect to be in the the minority. He gives a warning. If you follow me, he says, uh, you should guard against, you should be on guard against false teachers and false teaching. And in setting ourselves to be on guard, he shows what, how to recognize a genuine teacher and a genuine follower of Christ. He gives us the criteria that, that shows us whether or not Things are genuine, uh, authentic in relation to Christ. And then he says, if you follow me, you should expect that your life's going to be built on a solid foundation. He highlights the long-term benefits of following him. So we're going to walk through that today. Let's start. If you follow Jesus, you should expect to be in the minority. That's, that's it. Matthew seven thirteen. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Pretty clear, isn't it? Don't expect the crowd to be going this direction. But if you choose to follow me, you're going to be in the minority and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. One of the major, major reasons Jesus' followers are few is because to stay on this path, you have to keep choosing to delay gratification. You have to keep choosing to delay experiencing reward right here in the now and wait for a greater reward in eternity. That, that's what it takes to follow him. Not, not a lot of people are willing to do that. We want it now. We want it right here. When, when you follow Jesus, life is good in the here and now in the sense that there's a rightness. You know. You know deep in your soul that this is right and you're doing right. But in your circumstances sometimes, as we talked about Melissa this morning, um, you, you, you don't, it, it's not necessarily easy. You don't follow Jesus because he's going to bring life together in the here and now. You follow him because he is who he said he is. And you're going to have to keep saying no to what you can see, all that you can see right here, trusting God to come through with what he's promised, the things you can't see. That, that's what it means. That's why the followers are few. That's why not everybody does this. Not everybody decides to follow Christ. Now, world-class musicians, they know what it means to delay gratification, don't they? Because when the other kids are out playing in the park, they're practicing. (laughs) They're working on their skill. It takes, you know, incredible amount of hours of practice to become a world-class musician. But then they arrive one day at that moment when they're playing in front of the crowd. They get their reward. They understand delayed gratification, but at some point they're going to see the reward as they grow in skill. In this sermon, Jesus shows us that Christ's followers live by faith. 
They, they live by faith in eternity, not what they can see in the here and now. And throughout this sermon, he's shown us this. And we've talked about some of these things. But one of the things he says in this message, in this sermon, is uh, his followers choose humility. In other words, as they do good, as they do good works, and they get, you know, they go to coffee with their friends. They don't bring out their list. Hey, you should hear what I did this week. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty awesome. And this is it. Boom, boom, boom. I helped them. I did this. I gave this. No, he says we choose humility. If we follow Christ, we choose humility. We don't try to get the credit in the here and now. If we do, we get our reward right there. That's where it ends. That's what God says. You try to get your reward here by boasting about your goodness. You got it. No. Christ followers are told to wait for the commendation in eternity from God. And He will come through, but we're waiting on that. Another part in the sermon, Jesus says, we have to be willing to identify with Christ even when it's not popular. You know, we have to, you're at work or you're at school and you identify yourself as a Christ follower and you, you know, you, you're kind of afraid to do that because you're pretty sure what the next thought in their mind is going to be, oh, they're crazy Christian. They're crazy. You know, so you, you, you do, but you do that. If you follow Christ, you go ahead and you identify with Him whether or not you're persecuted. You go ahead and do the unpopular but righteous thing even though it's going to irritate the crowd. That's what it means to follow Christ. And he says at one point, his followers are blessed, but they're blessed as they're persecuted for righteousness' sake. That, that's, this is what it means to follow him. This is what it's like. He also said, we give generously knowing that God will meet our needs and store up treasure again in heaven. We can't see it. Can't get our hands on that. Can't go check the the bank account number and go online and see what our balance is. Can't see it. And then he said, and we talked about this last week, he, he, we focus on the agenda of building God's kingdom and we do his righteousness rather than our own agenda and our own plan for our lives. That, this is what it means to follow Christ. He's laid it out very clearly. This is the narrow, difficult path of a Christ follower. In his wrap-up, Jesus wanted to make sure that you, people he was talking to in that day, and you and I, we know what to expect. We're going to be in the minority if we choose to follow him. Then he goes on and he gives a warning. He says this, If you follow Jesus, you should be on guard against false teaching. So we have to be on guard. In Matthew 7, he says, uh, 15 through 20, Beware of false prophets <clears throat> who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. By their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree 
bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. <coughs> Excuse me. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This is it. This is how we can tell. But we have to be on guard against false teaching. Jesus tells us to beware. That word means pay attention. Be vigilant. Guard against deception. We have to be vigilant to filter the teaching that we're taking in from all kinds of sources. There there are many false prophets out there who claim to speak the truth about God and His ways. But they're actually speaking lies and deceit. So we have to be on guard against this. We have to watch this. Um, And he is challenging his followers, don't get led astray by those who claim to know the truth, but do not actually speak it or live it or do it. Note how these false teachers and influences come. They appear as sheep. They're dressed in sheep, a sheep costume. Okay, they, they appear like sheep. They seem like they're a part of Jesus' flock. But really, they're wolves ready to destroy the real sheep that exist in the church. If, if you know the truth, this is what happens. As you get to know Jesus, if you're just starting out following Him, if you're figuring out what it means to follow Him, or if you've been following Him for a while, what you need to do is get to know the truth of Scripture. Understand what Jesus said. Soak it up. Because as you do, the disguise becomes clear. Oh, that's, that's not a real cow. That's the uh, Chick-fil-A guy. You know, or whatever. That's not a real sheep. That's, that's a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's what's going on here. <clears throat> Often... A false teacher, what they do is they mix their ideas with Scripture in a way that seems like it's good. Seems good. But when you, when you think about it, scratch the surface, actually sometimes the ideas are so powerful that they connect with something in us that draws us toward them. When you, when you get to the depth of what they're saying and actually compare it with what Scripture says, the similarities fade. You see it clearly. A uh, famous wife of a very popular TV preacher, uh, Victoria Osteen, she came out with a statement that is just tearing up the Internet right now. Um, <clears throat> Cindy on the way here this morning was saying how interesting it is that uh, comments that are made are, you know, especially if you're a more public person, I don't quite have to worry about this yet, but it just goes viral, boom, and everybody starts discussing it. But, but here's what she said. I have the quote on the screen. I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we are happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy. Now... God does take pleasure when we're happy. He, he is not a sadistic tyrant. But the statement, the thing that gives him the greatest joy is our happiness, is way false. That's not what you find in Scripture. 
What you find in Scripture is the thing that gives God the greatest joy is obedience. We obey Him. Just like any dad. Boy, that just pumps you up when your kids obey. This is how God is. And He returns the, the obedience. He gives us a deep joy, a sense of rightness that we're doing what we should. This is the kind of direct contrast to what the Bible teaches that we have to watch out for. I, I was reading in my I was reading in my quiet time this week. It says in Romans, we're to bear fruit for God. In Second Corinthians five fifteen it says, And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and rose again. What it means to follow Christ is you don't live for yourself any longer. You, you live for Him. You don't live for your own happiness. You, you live to, to please God. You live for His happiness. And that turns out good for us in the long run. In the short run, maybe not. But it's this kind of statement or this kind of teaching that will build a weak faith in us. It, it builds the kind of faith that will not hold up in the midst of difficulty, hardship, and challenge in life. And a belief like that, many, many of these thoughts, if we let them sink in and we're not constantly filtering them and comparing them with Scripture, they become a part of our thinking and a part of our decision-making. And, you know, right now, just, just a little off. But boy, 20 years from now, way off. And our lives have been built on a false understanding of the truth and it collapses because we believe the wrong thing. So we, this is what Jesus is saying. Be on guard. Watch this. These false teachings and influences can lead us away from the narrow path. And these things can cause us to detour out of that path. Look at what he says here. He says, this is how you recognize false teachers. You will recognize them by their fruits. Every healthy tree bears good fruit. Now, I've heard that the best way to identify counterfeit money is to handle the real stuff. And then, you know, as a counterfeit comes, it feels different. It looks different. You get very familiar with the real. In the same way, the best way to know the counterfeit teaching is to get acquainted with the real teaching. What the scripture actually says. And, and what Jesus has really communicated about life. So we dig in. And once you get to know Jesus in a real way and you allow him to lead you um, and you give yourself to him as the boss of your life, the fruit of following him begins to grow in you. It takes time, just like real fruit. It takes time. You know, from bud the, the one time I had avocados show up on my avocado tree a few years back. From bud to avocado, it took about 15 months. It takes time for fruit to grow. And as we give ourselves to follow Christ, what's going to be happening is you're going to see the fruit grow. You're going to see from the teaching of teachers, those who follow the teaching of the teachers, you're going to see certain kinds of fruit grow. And one of the things that grows in us is the character of Christ. Are they becoming more and more like Christ? Is that what's happening as we follow Christ? Uh, there, there's a list of the fruits of the Spirit that really are a description of His character. 
are growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, um, self-control. That's what's going to happen. Another kind of fruit is uh, people around us, we're going to be making a difference in their lives. We're going to motivate them because of the change in us. We're going to motivate them to follow Christ as well. Um, they're going to see the difference in the way we're handling our relationships, our approach to work, our finances. And this is how you recognize the fruit uh, of right teaching. Christ's character grows and you make a difference in the lives of others. We check the teaching and the teachers against these because they're like wolves in the pack. Uh, as we walk with Jesus and they they attack they they hurt they can easily influence and sidetrack us so we're on guard next Jesus shifts gears to show how to be sure that someone is a genuine Christ follower verse 20 21-23 not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, this he's picturing the when you move on and you meet him in eternity. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. <clears throat> Let's look at this. Out of love, Jesus invites us to follow him, but he will not force us to follow him. It's what makes us human. He gives us the decision in our heart of whether or not we follow him. And he makes it clear here, you don't enter the gate by gradually sliding into the kingdom of God, just sort of gradually doing it. You step across the threshold. You commit your life to follow him as boss and as Lord. There's a major definitive commitment and you cross the line. You enter the gate. At that point in time, you become one of his followers, one of his children, one of his genuine followers. Some of you may be here today and you're staring at the threshold. You're, you're looking at it, you're considering what it means to follow Christ. You, you, you sense that you're at a decision point and it feels like you're on the outside looking in. Others of you, you've entered the gate. You are a Christ follower and you're, you're sorting through life and making decisions based on what he said to do with those decisions. Some of us might claim to be followers, but we've never really given ourselves to Christ as boss. Jesus is saying that the day is coming when we're going to meet him and he's going to separate the real from the imitation. And we want to make sure that we have really chosen to follow Him. He will honor our decision. The decision that we make, whether we decide to follow Him or not, He'll honor that decision throughout eternity. He'll stick with it. Since this is the case, Jesus wants us to understand how the fruit begins to grow. That genuine fruit. How, how does it begin to grow? How, how do we confirm that the teaching's right, that the follower's genuine, that I'm a genuine follower. The way you do it is you make sure the seed has been planted in the ground. 
Because until you plant the seed in the ground, it doesn't bear any fruit. It just doesn't. So we bury the seed by giving our life to Christ. By deciding to follow Him no matter what. He's the boss. We decide to make Him our King. Whatever choice you and I make in this life, He honors through eternity. For all eternity, He honors that choice. This is not something any of us really like to think about. <laughs> um, there's sort of confusion sometimes based on this verse, scary verse. But Jesus said it because he wants us to understand there's a mix of people in the church. There's sheep, there's wolves, there's not sheep or not wolf. There's a mix. There's a mix of people. And he wants us to understand how we really follow Him. So this is what He says. The key issue is do you know Him personally? Not do you know about Him? Do you come here teaching about Him? Not even do you serve alongside others who know Him. But do you know Him personally? And here's the defining comment. Knowing God equals doing His will. So on the front side, you bury the seed... By deciding to submit your own will, your own life to His. That's what it means to become a follower of Christ. Doing His will doesn't save any of us, but it's evidence that you are His. It's evidence that you're His. Now, I want to wrap up today um, by looking at His final comments. And He ends on a brilliant note, of course. He was brilliant. Um, and this is what he says, if you follow me, your life will have a solid foundation to it. There will be storms, there will be trouble, there will be circumstances that don't go your way, but your life's going to have a solid foundation. This is what he says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and was great. And great was the fall of it. Your life, if you have the right kind of faith, if you build it on Jesus' words, what he actually said, not what you hope he said, not what you wished he'd have said. But on what he actually said, your life will have a solid foundation and it'll be the kind of faith that weathers all kinds of storms and trouble. It's, it's, it's the, the best way to move through those things. So what does this mean to you? I want to take some time uh, to walk through some next steps that you could take. If you, if you look in your program and take out the connection card that Barry mentioned earlier, I'd like to walk you through some of these next steps. Um, first next step could be possibly to memorize Matthew 7, 13 through 14, because it's going to remind you that I'm not going to be a part of the crowd. I'm going to be part of the minority if I follow Christ at work, in my neighborhood, in society at large. Um, second step, consider co the cost. Maybe you've never thought about the cost of following Christ. In this message, you've just been sorting through things. What's holding you back? What is it going to cost you to follow Him? Is it control of your own life? Does that scare you? It might. That, that's understandable. 
Is it pride? I just I want to do it on my own. Is, is some, sometimes it's guilt and shame. You know, I want to clean myself up. No, you don't really have to clean yourself up. Jesus forgives, and He gives you a clean slate as you follow Him. Some it's fear of rejection. If I tell people I followed Christ, oh, that's, that's going to be rough. So consider the cost. Maybe this week sometime you want to set it aside and think that through. What's holding me back? What's keeping me from crossing the line and making that commitment to Him? And then uh, the next step would be for the first time, I'm going to follow Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're ready to do that this morning. You have your questions answered. God's been working in your heart and life, and you're ready to give it to Him. You can let us know. We'd love to help. We'd love to encourage you in that. And then uh, another step could be to resist the pull to follow the majority. Keep, keep, we've got to keep walking. Maybe you've been going with the crowd too much. And you've been caving in, and you want to set yourself, ask God for help to walk against the flow and the pull of culture. Uh, this is our last, as, as you're thinking those through, uh, or as you're getting your connection card ready, I'd like to say thanks to Cody. Uh, this is Cody Flannery from Orange Crest uh, Church in Riverside, who is a church that started out of Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar. And so... He's been driving all the way out here once a month for the last several months to help us out by leading worship and does an excellent job. We really appreciate it, Cody. And um, before I pray and move on, I know you need to play your guitar, but uh, we got a little something for you. And we wanted to say thanks for doing that, coming out here. Bless you, brother. Thanks. It's really been a joy. It's been fun. I've, I've known about Cody and that he led worship, and I've, he's a friend of mine, but I've never seen him lead worship until he came here. It's pretty fun. Appreciate that. Really do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for all that you've done and for showing us the truth about life and following you. I pray, God, that you give us the grace to know you and to walk with you and to deepen in our faith with you. Thank you for Cody, for him coming out and uh, leading us over these last several months. We thank you for his gifts and his gracious uh, way he served. We're so grateful for that. We bring honor and glory to your holy name. Uh, and we, we ask that you'd be blessed and pleased as we sing this song to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs>